Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, in our separation, connect us. In our loneliness, come and visit us. Come and have your way with us and in us in this time of worship. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Loneliness is not the same as being alone. Uh, I can handle being alone. In fact, I rather like it. It gives me time to connect with my inner thoughts, to spend time in prayer or devotion. Loneliness, though, can tear you apart. Uh, Those times when I want to be with someone, I want to spend time with someone, and yet no one seems to want to be with me. Those times can be devastating. When I desire companionship and there's none to be found, that can tear me apart. I remember all too well one of the loneliest times in my life. Uh, It happened in sixth grade, and here I am, 54 years old, and and still somewhat traumatized by it. But six years, or sixth grade, I was traumatized by loneliness. That's around the time when when kids' hearts turn towards puppy love. We we start to fall in love with with other folks around us, and quite a few of my friends had already paired up. Uh, they had their partners in puppy love, and I did not have mine yet. And I so desperately wanted someone. As a sixth grader, I just had to be in love. I couldn't have been more delighted when I went to my locker and I opened it, and I discovered a letter that had been stuffed inside. I opened up the letter and began to read it, and it was from a secret admirer. I was overjoyed. Somebody out there wanted me. Somebody wanted to be in relationship with me. I was thrilled. I I couldn't believe it. Uh, I was in heaven. I mean, I walked around on cloud nine for days. Uh, The letter that she had written me told me how to write back and where to leave the letter so she could find it. And so, of course, I did. I I poured my heart into this letter and, and I put it in an envelope and sealed it and I left it for my secret admirer to find. And she wrote back and went back and forth for two or three days. And finally, I am in love. After about the third or fourth day of this incredible romance, I discovered that the whole thing was a prank. It was all a lie. It was a prank put on by the other five guys that sat at my lunch table. They had conspired together to do this thing to me and and it destroyed me and I felt betrayed by them I felt betrayed by some girl who didn't even exist I remember the day that I found out we went to lunch and I sat down at the table just the six of us the other five guys at the table in a lunchroom filled with hundreds of students and I was all alone And I was terribly lonely. 
there in the crowd, I was all by myself and I thought perhaps, perhaps no one cared. Loneliness can tear us apart. Jesus knows what that was like. Loneliness was part of Jesus' human experience as well. Jesus came to live among us, to live as one of us, to suffer what we suffer, and he suffered loneliness. The Apostle John tells us that, uh, that Jesus was there at the creation of all things, and in fact, everything and everybody, every one of us, came into creation through Jesus. And apart from him, none of us came into creation. And so when Jesus entered the world, he came to his own. He came to people that he had created. He came to a world that belonged to him. Jesus had an intrinsic right to fit in. He, more than anybody, had the right to belong. And yet John says that he came to his own and his own wouldn't receive him. His own people rejected him the people he created turned away from him. God himself came to visit the planet. The ultimate gift and the people rejected both gift and giver. And you see, for Jesus, it wasn't just a one bad week experience. It wasn't just a bad week out of sixth grade for Jesus, but it seemed to be a way of life over and over again. We find Jesus all alone and from all appearances pretty lonely sometimes. Uh, he went to the religious leaders. Now these people were experts in the law. They knew more about the prophecies about Messiah than anybody. They'd memorized them. And yet when the Messiah came to the people who knew about Messiah, they didn't recognize him. In fact, they plotted against him. Even among his friends, those those folks that stayed closest to him for the three years. When we come down to Jesus' final night in earthly ministry, he takes Peter, James, and John, his closest companions. He takes them to the garden with him, and for the only time in the Gospels where Jesus asked a personal favor, the only time Jesus asked people to do him a personal favor, he asked Peter, James, and John, watch with me. I'm going over there to pray. Will y'all just watch while I pray? And there, while Jesus is under the most distress of his earthly life, while he's counting on friends to be there with him, Peter, James, and John fall fast asleep over and over. They just can't give him the one favor that he asked, but left him all alone. Not long after that, Judas, another of the 12, another of the closest bunch, came and betrayed Jesus as well, making him all that much more alone. On after that, Peter denied ever even knowing Jesus. The other disciples scattered. And then when Jesus has stood before the crowd, before the crowd that welcomed him as king a few days earlier, he stood before the crowd that he came to save. And he heard them shout, crucify him, crucify Jesus. 
For six hours on that Friday, Jesus hung between heaven and earth as the loneliest creature in history. All alone, even crying out to God, my God, my God, how have, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? Jesus knows loneliness. And I didn't understand it in sixth grade. I wish I had, but when I was sitting there all alone in the crowd in sixth grade, I wasn't as alone as I thought. Because Jesus had shared my suffering, Christ was present with me in my pain. I wish I'd understood that then. I wish I understood it better now as we're still separated. I mean, I'm, I'm here preaching to three people in an empty sanctuary. I feel the pain of loneliness, but I know that we're not alone because God is, in fact, with us. And I think maybe we can even learn something from Jesus' life. We can learn how he handled loneliness. For starters, when Jesus was confronted with loneliness, he turned to God. Over and over again, the Gospels tell us of his habit of getting off for some time with God. He would rise early in the morning to go pray, or he would stay up all night long praying, or he would withdraw to a private self away or to a private place away from the others to pray. For 40 days, he went off into the wilderness to pray and fast. And then he went up to the Mount of Transfiguration for a time with God before his final journey into Jerusalem. When Jesus found himself in those lonely parts of life, it nudged him more towards God. So when faced with loneliness, Jesus chose to honor God. He also chose to love people. Again, go back to those people who turned their backs on him on the very night that Judas betrayed Jesus. When Jesus knew what Judas was about to do, Jesus stooped over and washed Judas' feet. Serving the very person who was about to betray him, serving people that would forget about him to show that he never forgets about us. He would go on to forgive Peter. In fact, uh, from all appearances, he forgave Peter three times for Peter denying him three times. While Jesus hung on that cross, enduring the pain, the physical pain, but also the emotional pain of loneliness, he looked at the crowds and he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Time and again, when Jesus was faced with lonely times, those lonely times drove him into the arms of God and into service for his fellow human beings. We're living in times now that probably none of us can identify with. We're told to stay at home, to shelter in place. We're waiting on whatever the next news is. Uh, perhaps we feel more isolated now than we ever have. I've got a mom in assisted living that I can't visit. I've seen snapshots of some of you standing outside nursing home windows waving at your loved ones. Isolation is real and it can be real painful. 
And there are no easy answers. I don't pretend to offer simple solutions. But I do wonder if maybe we can learn something from Jesus' example. Maybe during this time of isolation, maybe the, the extra hours that we don't know how to use, maybe, maybe they can drive us into God's arms. Maybe they can open us up to new times of prayer, of devotion, of study. Maybe we have more opportunity than we're used to having of spending time with the God who loves us and never forgets about us. Maybe too, this time will encourage us to find new and creative ways of loving one another. We, we can't be at church. We can't all be in the building right now, but we still are the church. We are still the body of Christ in the world, redeeming the world to God. And there are ways that we can do that. There are things we can do to reach out in love, maybe to write a card, maybe to place a phone call. There are things that we can do still to make a difference, to send out loving emails, positive messages on Facebook. Man, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be interesting? I saw a video this week that brought me to tears. I was watching TV, watching the news, trying to get the latest updates, and they showed video from Italy in a place where people have been told to stay in their homes, where people are literally prisoners in their own households. But not to be, not to be too isolated. These Italians uh, went to their window. They all live along the same long street apartment buildings it looked like, and the people would come to their windows and begin singing to one another serenading one another with songs of love, songs of solidarity that while we might be separate, we will not be divided. I cried as I watched their love pour out for one another. As neighbors began to act like neighbors, as neighbors began to act like the body of Christ. Well, our cities are a little bit different. There's a, there's a good chance your neighbors won't hear you singing out your window. And mine don't want to hear me singing out my window. But I wonder, I wonder if there aren't some ways that we can still serenade one another. I wonder if there aren't ways that we can still be the body of Christ so that we can bring hope and joy and love to other people who probably feel just as isolated as we do. And I've got great hope that the God who never leaves us alone will be very present with us through this. As we are sharing in the loneliness of Christ, may we also share in the resurrection of Christ. Amen.